You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. I hope you guys are feeling good. I'm really fired up. I'm really dialed in this morning. I've, I'm in a g- wonderful mood. If I seem a little bit intense, it's because I'm, I'm feeling some, some weight and responsibility from the Lord about what's coming. And I've st- when I start to have pictures and visions of what I'm seeing ahead, it's sobering. So what I want you to know is that sometimes the things of the Lord can be a little bit sobering. And my intent is never to be really good at my speaking or to have great wisdom or speech or intellect my intent is to be prophetic and when driven and to speak to you in a way that speaks to your spirit so my hope and my prayer is that when i talk i'm getting past this and into this okay i want to i don't want to massage your brain i want to speak to your spirit because when your spirit is spoken to it it awakens you people go to church people are every all, I think 275 million professed Christians are in church right now in America. And many of them are getting their brains massaged. And what God really wants to do is awaken your spirit. Okay? Because the world is full of intellect. Oftentimes in the New York Times bestseller list, most of the books are self-help books. Behavior modification books, how to be a better person, how to manage your money better, how to be a better leader, how to be a better manager, how to be a better entrepreneur, how to do family better, all these things. And those things in and of themselves aren't bad. We're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Does God want us to be smart? Yes. Does God want us to, to be intellectual? Of course, he's the ultimate of intellect. But he wants our smartness and our goodness and our intellectual thinking to be submitted to him. And that's why I've been talking a lot lately about how the intellect is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And so many people in the church and beyond in this world are living out of the intellect. And we're smart. I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I mean, I graduated from honors from a great private Christian college, Royal Roberts University, that's a miracle in and of itself, I'll tell you what, right there. And I own businesses that make money, and, you know, we just won the Texas Best Coffee Shop, in, at, which is cool, you know. And, but honestly, I don't, I don't feel like I'm that good, and that's okay. And when I say it, I'm not saying it for accolades because I want you to pat, pat me on the back and say, man, you really are good. We just love you. I know you do, and I love that encouragement, and I love to encourage you too. Encouragement's one of my primary love languages. It's, it's my primary love language is words of affirmation. So I love to give it, and I love to get it. But I say that out of humility because I realize that it's only because the Lord that I'm where I'm at. And if ever I think that I am good, what happens is, is he humbles me a little bit more for me to realize I'm not that good. But I'm great in him. So when the Holy Spirit moves through me, it's really awesome. But if I'm floundering around with my own words and I can't catch the wind of the Spirit, I'm just like a flutter bug. I mean, I'm just floundering around. And so what I want more than anything is to be Spirit-led in everything that I do, not just on a Sunday morning. 
when I lead my staff, when I'm behind the register with customers, when I'm pouring a latte, when I'm changing poopy diapers. When both my kids are crying first thing in the morning because they're mad about who knows what, the toy fell out of the crib, and it's the world has come to an end. <laughs> the other day, Zion was screaming his head off because his Mickey fell out of the crib onto the floor. Seven o'clock. I mean, my gosh, does it have to be at seven? We have a whole day full of Mickeys, but at this one time, he had to have it. And that's okay. In fact, I get a chuck. I get, at the moment, I'm not really chuckling. Because then he woke his sister up, and then she started crying when she needed to sleep an extra hour. And then the rest of the day is completely thrown off because she didn't sleep long enough. And now I have a whole grumpy day all because a Mickey fell out of a crib. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And so what I want more than anything for you and for this church and the church as a whole It's not to lose your smartness and your intellect, but to have it submitted to the Holy Spirit. See, that requires a conversion process. It means that you need to get converted in your thinking. It means you need to get converted from the way that you've always done things to a new way of doing things, especially when it comes to religion. Because most people are stuck in the way they were raised and traditions. And again, we're not throwing out all of the traditions. We build upon them and we allow God to transform us into the new thing that he wants to do his way. We're building upon line upon line, precept upon precept, the Bible says. And so God wants us to consistently be in this process of conversion. And conversion process can be uncomfortable. Because you don't understand sometimes. You don't understand, God, why is this happening to me? And we want to cling to comfort, don't we? We want to cling to what we know. Many people don't like change. And that's why the Lord says you have to become a new wineskin. Because think about a new wineskin. When the wine begins to ferment, if the wineskin can't expand and, and move with the fermentation of the wine, it'll break. And if God wants to put something new in your life, then you've got to allow yourself to become a new wineskin and make the conversion process. And when the conversion process happens, sometimes you're going to feel lonely. There'll be a feeling of a loss of identity because you found your identity in who you were, and now God's making you into somebody new. That's why... I often say you don't get to choose your own church. Now, you, many of you will, but if we're really spirit-led, we follow the cloud and we go where God wants us to go. And many times that means being uncomfortable. Many times that means letting go of familiarity. Friends of 20 years. We've had people here that were parts of churches for 17, 20 years. And they, I mean, they were intricate leaders and everyone they knew and they invested years and years and years of their life. And God gave them a dream and said, you're going into a new territory. Even for me, it can be uncomfortable because the Lord's not going to allow me to lean on my own strength and my own familiarity and my own comforts. When he calls you to walk out on the water, everything of familiarity has to sink so that you can rise up and walk. From our songs to the preaching to the style to even me as a pastor. Some of us grew up in churches where the pastor was always there. We had a personal relationship with the pastor. 
where anytime we wanted, we could just call the pastor and bam, he'd be right there at, our, at your house. Pastor Fetch, that's right. <laughs> Thank you, I like that. And, but God is shifting gears to where the empowerment and the authority is given away to sons and daughters that will become disciples and now you become it and I'm able to teach you as Moses taught the millions of people and raised up elders instead of sitting all day long to judge the people which was wearing them out and the way that that would switch in Exodus 18 would be Moses's father-in-law a spiritual father would come by the name of Jethro his wife's father an Ethiopian by the way Midianite would come along his name means excellence, and he'd say, now let me show you a better way. Is it possible that God is raising up a new church for a new day that demonstrates a more excellent way where we're rooted in love and you really are forced to grow into intimacy with the Lord and hear the voice of the Lord for yourself? Because Moses, uh, Jethro said to Moses, you teach them in the way that they should walk. In the way that you should walk and in the way that they should learn for themselves. So what I want to do is teach you how to hear the voice of the Lord and challenge you to get into the secret place and challenge you into intimacy. I'm way off my notes, but who cares? <laughs> I'm going where the Lord wants to go. Exodus 16.4 is God says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. And the actual manna in the desert will be a test. You're only supposed to get a certain quota each day. And on the day before the Sabbath, you'll get a double portion so that you don't have to work on that day. And this will actually be a test to see whether you're going to honor me or not. Do you know that that test is still alive today because you have to seek to find. You have to ask to receive. You have to knock for the door to be open. And asking and seeking and knocking requires diligence. It requires a diligent intent to pursue the Lord. You can't get it anymore just from Sunday morning or Wednesday. I can give you an experience and blow some wind into your sails, but you've got to keep the wind blowing if you're going to sail for yourself because one day of wind won't get you anywhere. Right? And the test is, is that we begin to grow to maturity and to begin to, at some point, get off the bottle. Well, come along, get you into the kingdom, we teach you, we give you some milk, we teach you the pre basic things of the Lord, we challenge you, worship, experiences, come on, come on, come out of the old, into the new, let go of the past, embrace the new thing, but you don't have to throw away the past. Just learn from it so that you can build upon it. Because in every situation, even in my institution pollution days of megachurch, I learned so much. And I, I wouldn't give that up for anything. And I'm not even putting the blame on my last pastors. They all, all the pastors I've known have made mistakes. I'll probably make mistakes. And in some way let you down. But you don't put your trust in man. You put your trust in God. And so you've got to make this conversion jump in what the Lord is wanting to do in your life. It's called renewing your mind. Every day it has to be renewed. It's called being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the transformation process is a constant process of, more, 
um, metamorphosis. And how can you consistently get new colors and new wings and come up off the ground from crawling? That only comes from being in the cocoon of his presence in the secret place. And so then what God does is he gives you supernatural understanding. And he reveals to you mysteries that only he knows to people that can be trusted. And we, we want the mysteries, we want the miracles, and we want the signs and wonders. And many of us say, Lord, how come I'm not seeing the things I read about in the Bible? How come I only hear about it in other countries? And, and there's a variety of reasons for that. But one of it is, is that we have so many comforts around us and so few people that will lay down those comforts and do whatever it takes to embrace the super, to, to embrace him intimately. And in turn, the supernatural comes because the signs and the wonders follow those that follow him. So as I'm following him, they're following me. And I won't even know most of the time of the miracles that happened. I don't even need to know because they were behind me. So I'm not chasing after the miracles, but I can walk through the sixth floor of Spawn Shoreline to see my mom and a lady with cancer can be there. And God says, go pray. And I pray. And I don't even know if she got healed or not, but I believe she did. And let's say she did a supernatural touch from the Lord. It didn't matter whether I did it or not because I don't need the credit for it. And the miracles and the signs and wonders happen because you become a living testimony. And now when you're walking after and even your shadows, when you walk by, been thinking about that a lot when I went to the nursing and rehab facility when you walk in to go to where my mom was there's, there'd be people lined up in wheelchairs it's also a nursing home so I'd say okay Lord here we go I'm going to walk brush right by that person I'm going to look where the light is and I'm going to go listen if you don't get converted into childlike thinking you're going to think I'm nuts the foolishness of God is of the wisest of men. If it's in the Bible, why not? It requires faith. And it requires faith because faith isn't an I hope so. Faith isn't an I, is an I know so. So that when you have faith, you can speak to the mountain, whatever it is that's in front of you, and you speak to it because you know, I won't speak if I don't know. But when I know, I speak to it confidently, and instead of being double-minded, because double-minded in James 1 is asking and not really believing that you're going to receive it. That's, that's double-mindedness. And the only way that my mind gets sharper in it, and the only way that I get a little bit better at it is I practice a lot. Because I know I have to overcome doubts. I know I have to overcome what ifs. I know I have to overcome those things. But the only way that you're ever going to overcome it is not just magically hoping it happens, but implementing it and practicing it everywhere you go. And that requires being tuned to the spirit. It's not that complicated, but yet we make it so hard. I'm in constant communion with him. Romans 8, 14, the true sons of God are led by the Holy Spirit. And what I want more than anything is to raise up true sons of God that are led by the Holy Spirit so that you're following and leading and hearing and communicating what he says at all times. But it's going to take, it's going to require faith. And the only way that you're going to subdue and overcome, the only way that we're going to make it through what's coming ahead is to have great faith. And we're not even just going to make it, we're going to be more than conquerors that are overcoming through the process of it. He didn't, 
he didn't create us to just barely survive and hope that we make it through. He created us to subdue and have dominion and to conquer over every situation that comes our way. That requires faith. That's why this scripture, I love this scripture. This scripture has been a foundational scripture in my life for a very long time, Hebrews 11, 6. Let's pull it up on the screen. Now, all of Hebrews 11 is awesome. I mean, if you wanted something really fun to read today, go read Hebrews 11. I mean, it's about all these incredible men and women of God that overcame and subdued by faith, but some had their heads chopped off and were hung upside down. I mean, but so what? It didn't matter. They were, they were, it was accounted to them as supernatural faith. Abraham and Deborah and the apostles and all these great people were accounted to great faith because it says when you have faith, you can please God, but if you don't, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first be confident that he is. So say, God is. So in the midst of your financial struggles, your family struggles, your questioning and your doubts and all the uncertainties, whatever it is, God is. So if I have faith, keep it simple. Keep it stupid simple. When you have overcoming odds around your life, God is. Woo! And when you have a God is mentality, when you have a God is mentality, you know what he does? He rewards you. If you actually look up the word reward, it means actually to be paid a salary. It's, it's, it's a worker that received wages. Do you know God rewards us? And I'm not pursuing the reward. I'm coming to God. Not even for his hand. I already know I get his hand. Because if you get his heart, you get his hand. Man, there is an anointing in this room right now. We're, we stop pursuing the blessing. We stop looking for the next open door. Instead, you become the blessing, and you become the open door. Oh, yes. Conversion.com. You got to make the shift, everybody. You got to make the shift. Because if you don't convert, you will revert. If you don't convert, you'll stay on tilt with a lack of understanding. And the, the easy thing to do will be to go back to the way it was, my comforts and my familiarity. They liked me at that last church. No one talks to me at this church. They were all my good friends but I haven't met anybody here yet. Worship was, I could handle the worship there, but here it was too long. It doesn't matter because if the Lord's wanting to do a conversion thing inside your life, you go where he tells you to go. And then in turn, he awakens us to the reality of what he wants to do. And there's a lot of things I've had to be awakened to because I've never done this before, nor did I have anybody teach me how to do it. We're all walking on water right now, in case you didn't know. I got you right out on the water right now. <laughs> if you're not careful, you'll start doubting and you'll start looking around and going, oh my gosh, I'm going to sink. The good news is, is even if you do, there's Jesus standing up on top of the water. You're looking up. He stretches out his hand. He pulls you up and out. says it's going to be all right. The answer is having your eyes on Jesus. 
That's the answer. So if we come to God and we have faith and we're confident, and listen, God's dealt to everybody a measure of faith, but you can cast your faith away. I asked the Lord about that. Does everybody have faith? He goes, no. There's people that, that I've given it to, but they cast it away. They can get it back, but God doesn't want us to cast our faith away. He wants us to take hold of it and have confidence and to believe even when it's difficult. Because it's Hebrews 10 says, cast your faith. Don't cast your faith away, for it has great recompense for reward. That's why when God starts stripping you down and when God starts removing things out of your life, familiarities, and he wants you to get converted, and it's like, wait a minute, the comforts and the pleasures of my life the way they were, even if they weren't bad in and of themselves, God wants to remove them because he's taking you to a new place where, he's, where ultimately he would give you something bigger and better, but because you're so stuck over here and a part of you's dying and you don't want to let go in this death process, you stay there. And God says, no, 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 no. I want to get you over here. Because if your identity or anything's wrapped up in this, if you're going to find your comforts in this, if you're, any of you's going to glory in your ability of how you did what you did, you got to get you over here. Because no flesh glories in his presence. You don't go, oh man, I did awesome getting this shopping center. Gosh, you should, man, let me just tell you, I need to write a book on how I made this $2.8 million shopping center happen. <laughs> and I, people will read it from all over, especially all the little small struggling churches will want to follow our formula, how we got here, and only God could do what he did in his way, and I get to take no credit for it, except for the fact that we trusted God and we had faith. And when we had faith and we came to God, he, we, he, he was pleased by what we were doing, so he rewarded us, and our payout was a shopping center. And now we make sure that we don't get prideful, but we stay humble. And in fact, we decrease even more because the answer is more decrease. Because God uses the weak and the broken and the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So you are, and I'm really kind of preaching my message right now anyway. You are, you will either be confounded or you will confound People will be confounded by you. They, people come to Rock City Church and they get thrown on tilt. Because it, does, it doesn't add up to the things we've known. The programs, the structure, me, you, person next to you, the music, the, everything that we do, we do as a garden, not an institution. Since there's so much institution around and many of us came from that, people come in and it's like, oh. I don't really understand, and it requires you to come up higher and to be shifted in how you think and in your conversion process so that you can become more like him and to understand that God wants to reward you and he wants to do great things for you, but it's not about those things. It's about him because he ultimately is my reward, not a shopping center, right? The reward is him. I would much rather have him than this building. Much rather have him than this building. My house, my stuff, it's all just stuff. It's all stuff. And when you get stuff, you're always going to see something bigger and better and wish you would have had and you didn't have. And it's like at some point you realize it's all materialistic stuff. Right? I didn't, we should have got this. We should have done that. How come this? How come not that? 
And then we start thinking and planning two, three, five years out of what this next thing is going to be. Instead of trusting God right where we're at and saying, Lord, where you go, I go. Where you lead, I'll, I'll lead. What you say, I'll say. And we learn to be content because the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And some of you here this morning are not content. It's always wanting more. Always more, 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 more. And God says, be godly, be content, and in turn, great gain will come your way. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. If you study out natural man, it really comes down to animal nature. It really comes down to carnal thinking. It really comes, see, think, if, if you've heard the word carnal thinking, it, it can connotate worldly thinking or non-spiritual thinking. But really, the root word of carnal is, is where we get the word carnivore, which is animal nature. And so, what he's saying is, is if you don't get converted, you're not going to receive the things of the Spirit of God. You'll, you'll go to church, you'll feel good, you'll, you know, you'll get some, but God wants you to totally get wind-driven and be spiritual in your life. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. And what happens is, is they become foolishness. So the word foolishness in the Greek is, is the word moros, which is where we get the word moron. If anybody's ever called you a moron or said, you ever said to somebody you're, you're a moron, that's never been a part of my vernacular, but for some people it is, especially if you're driving and you have road rage and you're such a moron, you moron. <laughs> but do you know another word that's associated with moron that's related to it is the word musterios. You know what musterios is? It's mystery, which means secret. So the way that you could say this is that the foolishness of God is of the wisest of men means that God supersedes the wisest of men through what seems like foolishness to the wisdom of man. And how? The preaching of the cross is a great, the cross, a great mystery, but we can discover the mystery. I mean, I love mysteries. I'm not as so concerned about mysteries of inventions, though I think that would be cool. And if God wants to give me a, an invention of a, that was a mystery, like so many people have had, electricity, internet, all these things, that's great. But I want to know more about him. And I want to know more about the kingdom. And I want to understand the power of the cross. And I want to walk in the supernatural because I want to be a sign and a wonder and a light to everybody that I encounter because that's what the world needs more than another great invention. Now, if God chooses to give me an invention or to breathe upon your life in a dream or a vision, you discover something and you make millions of it. He did that so that you would use that for the purpose of the kingdom. Can we turn the air off, please? Okay. I get cold real. I'm, I'm a cold-blooded guy, meaning I like it hot. That's freezing to me. 70? That's an ice box. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't this good? Yeah. Foolishness is rooted in the mysteries of God. And so when you get the mysteries of God, people are going to think you've lost your mind because now you're fascinated and awakened to the supernatural understanding of the Bible, the cross, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the garden. You start talking about all this stuff that people go, you are nuts. Demons, angels, spiritual warfare, all these things that you start talking about, people think you're nuts, but you start getting insight and understanding and the world will try to suppress it and the world will say, you're a moron. 
which means absurd. It's absurdity. That's absurd. It's stupid. It's silly. Those are all synonyms of being a moron. My question is, is are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Especially in the world of intellect. Especially if you're really smart. Too smart for your own good. I looked it up. Google. It means to be overconfident or cocky. (laughs) It means to believe that you know everything to the point to where it can harm you or work against you. It means assuming or showing knowledge or intelligence to the point where it can harm you or work against you. It means believing that you know something that you really don't, which can get you into trouble. It's called being too smart for your own good, which is why we say God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to be spiritual. And when you're spiritual, you become good. And you do good. It's the focus. It's the intent. It's what you're focused on. So the natural man doesn't receive their foolishness to him, and you can't even know them because they're spiritually discerned. The word discern means you're already examined. Okay? So it means that you've already been judged in a sense. You're discerned now. I'm discerning you. God is discerning. God's word discerns. God's light discerns. So you either come to the light and receive it or you reject it because you prefer darkness, right? You guys have heard this before. John chapter 3. People love darkness rather than light. Hence, they become spiritually discerned. And so Jesus said, I didn't even come to condemn the world because the world's already in condemnation, meaning that there's a crisis already taking place. So another way you could say is they're already spiritually in a crisis. So if you don't get converted out of the natural, the answer to this is to get converted out of the natural man. Get converted out of the natural man. I want to read to you a, a bank of scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me. And we're going to start at verse 22. says, this shows how messed up I really am, by the way, because I'm half Jewish and half Greek. (laughs) I want a sign, and I want wisdom. (laughs) And make it loud, that's right. But do you know you all are too? You've heard my saying. Roses are reddish, violets are bluish. Thanks to Jesus, we can all be Jewish. <laughs> Come on, don't pretend you all know you like to see signs. We all love a sign. Come on. And we all would like wisdom, but that's why James says if anybody lacks wisdom, go to God. Ask him, and he'll give you the wisdom. Because 
we'll read here in a minute that Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the wit. So if you want to be wiser, you get Jesus. That's Proverbs, especially Proverbs 8. If you want wisdom, get her. Do everything you can to get a hold of wisdom. And so it says, uh, the Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach. But we. Everybody say, but we. we. Preach Christ crucified. Who to the Jews is a stumbling block and to the Greeks is foolishness. So people are stumbling and being foolish. The Greeks would represent every non-Jew in this time. The Greeks would represent, in a sense, the world. And all of us have a form of that Greek ideology and even the Hebrew ideology in our mindsets where we want a sign and we want wisdom. But the way that you get that is through Christ crucified. And if you don't understand the cross and the beauty and the wonder of Jesus did... It'll become foolishness to you, and you won't understand it. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Christ is the power. He's the dunamis, which is the miracle-working power of God. So if you get Christ, you get everything he does. In fact, to be a Christian is many Christ people. We're Christ. We become Christ-like. I'm a representative. I am of him. I'm in the family now. And so we can have the power and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God, again, I've told you what foolishness is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And I really got hung up on this scripture for a little while because if you study out the word weakness, it means the sick and the lame and the broken. I said, well, the weakness of God. God, you're not weak. What does that mean? Sickness in you? And see, my intellect was trying to process And then I had to stop and listen, and the Lord said, I make the weak strong. So what was weak, I turn into strength. That's why in the next chapter, we read that the weakness, his weakness is made perfect. How? That's not in the next chapter, but let me just look at my notes real quick. His strength is made perfect in weakness which is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. We'll go to that in a minute. Are you guys doing all right? I'll wrap it up here in a minute because I really want to pray for you. And I'll just say this couple things here. The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men because God takes the weak and the broken and the frail and the least, which is every one of us. And if you think yourself higher and mightier than what you really are, he'll strip you down and show you that you're not because pride goes before a fall. And so we live our lives in humility. We live our lives fully laid down at the cross and submitted and understand I am weak, but he is strong. And I'm strong in him. Hence, I'm really not that good, but in him I'm great. That should be a very good motto for you. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble. Mighty and noble are militant terms. It means mighty is another word for able. We talked about that. Uh, that God, uh, Moses was to choose able men to help him. These are people that get the job done. Some of you know how to get the job done. And it doesn't say not all, but it says not many are called. But God chooses what? The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. How does he put them to shame? The demonic person walking the street outside these doors isn't putting the world to shame. But... When God comes and takes that most least outcast, broken person and rocks him 
like he did me, a drug addict, fornicator, doing all the things. As many of you have heard my testimony, you know, prison, all these things. When God takes a guy like me, it confounds the world and all my old friends and all the people that knew me. And now, in turn, I become a mighty person in Christ. The base things of the world. The base things means the, the very things that are the minuscule, most smallest things of the world that are despised, God has chosen. So you need to understand that, that in a sense, God chooses the things that were despised. Hence, you were despised, but God chose you. So that's why you can never look down or despise somebody else. You can't, you please never have that attitude of looking down and thinking yourself better, okay? You walk in humility because God had great grace in your life and transformed you. You were despised, but God chose you. And he uses us to bring to nothing the things that are, that, are, that no flesh would glory in his presence, verse 29. God doesn't want any flesh to glory in his presence, so it's less of you and more of him. Verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became what? Jesus became what? The wisdom of God and the wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Jesus is my redemption. Jesus is my sanctification. This is verse 30. Jesus is my righteousness. He became that for me. And he became that for you. And verse 31 says that it is written, he who glories let him glory in the Lord. So if you're going to boast and you're going to glory, you're going to glory in the Lord, which is why I like this scripture, John, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let no wise man glory in his wisdom and let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this or boast. If you're going to boast, and actually the word glories and glory, verse 24, you'll like this, Brian, that's the word halal. And that's the word for wild abandonment and raving. Ecstatic foolishness in my praise. It's a word for praise. So there's times where I've gotten really extravagant on the worship. My hair's flying. I'm banging on the drum. I can only imagine what I look like to some people that walk in. I mean, I've been called a cult leader. You go to that crazy church and that pastor with the long hair. And, and, but imagine how David looked when the ark was being returned into Jerusalem and he danced and his ephod fell off and he's dancing around in his underwear. I mean, even his own wife said he was foolish. And so the Lord wants you to, to glory, to be wild and extravagant and to rave what, in a way that seems foolishly in this way, that you understand and know God and that God wants you to understand him. He wants you to know him. He doesn't want to be such a mystery that he's so far away. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. That he's the Lord. Lordship is everything, guys. You got to have lordship in your life. Lordship gives you all the leverage. Lordship is full surrender to him. That he, that he's love, that he exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in those things, the Lord delights. And so God's calling you into this conversion process of being transformed from the way you were to the way he wants you to be, not my way. Your trust isn't in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Okay? I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
there's this whole argument about having letters of recommendation, and something came up where Paul would, Paul's like, somebody must have said something that he needed a letter of recommendation, and he's the guy that founded the church, and now they're falling into institutional mindsets. And Paul says, I don't need a letter of recommendation. You are my letter of recommendation. Because you are not written by ink or by the hands of man, but by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is writing your life, and then you in turn become a reflection and a representation of my life and his life. But what Paul then goes to say is he says, you're a letter, an epistle of God ministered by him. So first you're a letter to God, but now I, minister, now I help cultivate you as a shepherd and point you to the shepherd and cultivate your life and steer you a little bit and challenge you a little bit. And then I raise up other people to help do that as well. And we get into a relationship because we need each other, not because of organized, institutionalized church. Isn't that good? Well, I'm done for today. <laughs> not really, but I get a whole nother service to do this again. And uh, this is great because I actually have part two of my sermon that I'm going to preach. I just want you to know that I love you, and I mean it. Get converted. One image, to one form to another. And one of the ways that you get converted is being in an atmosphere and around a people like this. Because you all know the great leadership saying, who you hang out with, show me your friends, and I'll see you. Right? This is your time to be transformed. I'm going to pass it down. We got a lot of little eyes watching. And they want to see the wild extravagance of God, not your great religiosity. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, senior pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up.